for me, getting rid of stress, whether it's parental or anything in general, it's doing things that make me feel like me. And for me, that's running. Yeah. Is this a running where you're like, oh, I'm getting a nice, you know, jog on, or you just like fucking run? <laughs> and you're like, oh, you're puking again. There uh, oh, you go. No, not not that intense. Not like you know, yeah. screaming or anything. Yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is Trent Wilkie, and this is the Undad Podcast. This is a podcast about being a parent in this bizarro modernity. Also, it's about teamwork. Because how else are you going to make a dream work? Hey, you dingleberries. This episode is titled Space Age Dreamscape. Um, my name is Laurel Gregory. I am the mother of a three-year-old, and I'm expecting another in September. And I'm married, and I live in downtown Edmonton. Hi, Laurel. Hi. Did you always want to be a parent? No. No. Really? I was so myopic and career-driven being a journalist and in that very competitive industry from day one. Yeah. I went to school in Ottawa to Carleton, and it was one of those things where you get in and there's, you know, let's say 200 students in first year, and you know by fourth year that 50 kids are graduating. Like, it was like oh. based on marks and very competitive. So to go from that environment straight into applying for jobs and fanning out resumes across the country, and then, you know, there's this whole you're only as good as your last story. And, you know, like yeah. that, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of, and I thought I want to maybe be a foreign correspondent, maybe a national reporter. And to me, that lifestyle did not match up with being a mom. Gotcha. And I'll never forget, I had a friend in Regina and she was like, you have more love to give. You're going to be a mom. And I kind of never thought of it that way because I was like, I'm a career woman and I have yeah. all these plans. And then I, I still... I thought it might come one day, but I hadn't given it much thought. And then I met my husband and it was like, I want to have kids. <laughs> what is the one thing about being a, a parent, not a mother, but a parent that has totally blindsided you? Oof. Anything like that? Like, I feel like becoming a parent is one of the worst things that can happen to you because all of a sudden, all of the children in the world belong to you. So you're walking <laughs> through a mall and you're like, hey, Figuratively, figuratively. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I franchise a movie but... about that, isn't there somewhere? <laughs> yeah, that guy who like a sperm donor. Yeah. I don't, let's not get into yeah. B movies. But anyways, <laughs> I um you know, I'm walking in a mall and I'll see kind of like a three year old and you don't see their parent in sight and you're kinda like yeah. huh. What's going on? Or you're at the park and the same thing happens. Or you hear about, you know, children having organs harvested yeah. in th developing countries and child sexual abuse and just everything hits you in the most tangible, uh, visceral way. Yeah. That you could not imagine. And I think, I, d I don't like to say becoming a parent makes you a better person, but I can say for me, I am more compassionate and more understanding and more patient. I'm more empathetic. Yes. I understand what community is. I used to not like a lot of people. I still <laughs> still don't like a lot of people, but yeah. now I don't mind it as much. And nothing so it's can a, was, prepare you for that. Yeah. It, would you say it's a biological? Was that a biological response to being, or was this a decision that you had to make? Or no, both? Uh, both. Yeah. Both. 
Yeah. I think it's a decision every day to exercise those qualities that you maybe haven't tapped into. I had no idea. I am so impatient, so impatient. But I had no idea the patience I have for this child who is yeah. driving me nuts and he wants oats and I make oats and then he know he wants fruit and he's screaming because he wants fruit and I want to strangle him. <laughs> but just you, you bring in your Jedi warrior. Like you yeah. can, you can kind of, yeah, your mind is, you can control your mind and take a deep breath and move along. Whereas before I would have snapped. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize how much I swore. Like, get in the ref- <laughs> yeah. refrigerator car. <laughs> yeah. What the Sherwood Park? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You kicked me right in the Drayton Valley. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. And then you kind of, in the beginning, you sort of swear because you think you can get away with it. Yeah, it and But then, until the, then when they start talking, you're like, whoa. And then you got a two-year-old, and this is a true story. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck, mommy. Fuck. Fuck. And I said, oh, you mean truck. You mean truck. Fuck. Fuck. And I could not get him to stop. And we're driving. And I was kind of like, how would he get that word? Like, we don't. Surely we don't ever say that. And then I realized, you know, a couple incidents in traffic, morning rush hour, downtown Edmonton. And yeah. maybe things slip out. And yeah. And so you don't even realize. No. But they listen mm-hmm. to everything. Mimic, mimic, mimic. Yes. If there was one person in history, alive or dead. Ooh. Who you could be their mother. Oh. You can't, you can't be my mom because I'd want to be your mom. Who would it be? Oh my gosh. You can't be God's mom. Because <laughs> you'd have to you'd have to give birth to yourself. You know what this where this is getting too deep and too out there, but I wonder if like some of the villains in our world history, if yeah. you had been their mother and if they were well mothered and nurtured, if things may have changed. Yeah. Then who? Certain world world, you know, but then you're talking about being Hitler's mom. Maybe, yeah. But but I think that's a bit out there. Yeah. Well, I out there. This nurture is the place. nurture nature. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Someone like that. I was adopted, so I could go either way, right? Oh. So it's a tough question. <laughs> yeah. I would like to be. I think I'd want to be just somebody who's really cool and like, yeah, I did that. It's not really oh. like a Jethro Tull. I oh. like to be Jethro Tull's mom. <laughs> I never thought about that. Because a brick was my idea. <laughs> um, that's because of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I never thought about that. I guess you could take credit. So you're all about taking credit. Oh, it's all So it's all about you. <laughs> you bet. Even this. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. We interrupt this program for Tales from the Archives. We are forever arguing with our three-year-old to eat. Each meal includes a lecture that is followed by a countdown, a countdown that leads to bed. He hates this, and so do we. But all we want is for him to eat. And we found some compromise. I have a running joke that food would taste better if you hid it in the woods and pretended to hunt it. So one day, when I was tired of arguing with little me, I comically pretended to threaten his food. I whispered to it, Oh, we know what you did. You better get out of here, you you spoonful of yogurt. You better get out of here while the getting's good. Well, he gobbled it up. And then things got awesome. He would look down the shaft of his spoonful of yogurt and say very creepily, Whisper to it, Daddy. Whisper to it. I looked over to my wife to see if this is okay, or maybe if it was just way too weird. I don't care, she said. As long as he's eating it. I looked down at my boy Spawn, then at Elizabeth, Then in a low tone, told the yogurt his fate. Yogurt, I'm glad you don't know what's going to happen to you, because if you did, you would form a mouth and scream. You could run, 
But then you might as well just run directly into my child's digestive system because... That's where he's going to eat your face! He devoured the spoonful as I yelled about how the face is the tastiest part of yogurt. Then, my three-year-old, after laughing a weird laugh, took a deep breath, looked at me and calmly said, Again. And now, back to the program currently in progress. One of the things for me when I had a, a, a when I had kids was the amount of fear that it put mm. in me. Like just and you don't ever want to sink into this this place where terrible things can happen to your kids and you'd rather wish it happened to you. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the fears that you have for your kids aside from the normal sickness and death? What are some of the fears that you have when you think about your children that you may or may not be able to mm-hmm. help them deviate from? Um, I am concerned about the world we're leaving them with politically and especially environmentally. Um, I, I worry about, you know, it's again, nurture nature, but are there certain genetic inklings or things that I don't know about that might pop up at 18 that I can't control? But I have to say, I don't let fear run my life. I'm pretty good at separating that and going... I can't control everything and becoming a parent has really taught me that. So Mm -hmm. I think that I, you know, we see, especially in my position, in my job, I see so many horrific things that happen. I mean, look at the humble Broncos like two weeks ago. Um, You can only control so much. So I think that I like to think it's more empowering to me to feel that if I do everything I can to raise a resilient uh, child who feels supported, Mm -hmm. that... Um, that that's all I can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I'm concerned about the ocean and the plastic floating in the ocean and the, um, everything else, yeah. you know? I would agree. And bringing up the Humboldt Broncos, I had a really weird reaction to that. Being really? a journalist myself. Yeah. It was like, don't tell me how to feel. It was like, mm-hmm. I felt someone was telling me to feel this deep sorrow and I'm not, it's a tragedy. I'm not trying to say it's not, but I wanted to reserve that for, I think, I want to reserve that for my own, you right. know, and, and I understand that it is horrific and terrible. Um, but I had this very parental reaction because I, I didn't want kids either. And mm-hmm. I found it was a very emotional response to me. And I don't think it was a, I don't think it came from a healthy place mm-hmm. because I had covered, you know, deaths and, you know, you interviewed someone whose kid was just died and you have that place as a, as a journalist, you put that place in an apart in a, in a department. Yeah, of course you have to. Um, but for me, it was almost like a backlash. I felt like like it was everywhere and I couldn't escape it. And I think that's why I felt like you can't make me feel this. I'm saving this for the the, the people who I love the most. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with stress as a parent when stuff like that, like these big emotional things happen? Like I'm not talking about the end of the day, you know, Jeffy bit the head off another doll. Like, you right. know, that's just a bottle of wine. But like, how do you deal with the stress of the stresses of, of being a parent? I run. Yeah. I run. Yeah. I try to channel it. Well, I would drink a bottle of wine if I weren't <laughs> pregnant right now, too. I might drink a bottle of wine. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I like a glass of wine at the end of a rough day as yeah. a parent. And yeah. I know that there's this weird mummy wine culture thing yeah. going on. And I don't really like necessarily support that or think it's a positive thing. But I think, yeah, I, I channel, I channel that into doing the things that make me feel like me. Yeah. And I think of even like, oh, this is an aside, but as a couple, my husband and I, we, 
ran together and we'd do outdoorsy things together and go for trail runs and hikes. Like those were always the things that made us feel like us or like going to a little wine bar, that thing. Mm -hmm. And so as a couple, those are the things that we try to do, try to get away to Canmore or do something like at least once a year where it reminds you it's like, Oh yeah, like this is us. Mm-hmm. I'm not just like the lady who changes diapers or like the the person who's coming home from work and the rest of it. So for me, getting rid of stress, whether it's parental or anything in general, it's doing things that make me feel like me. And for me, that's running. Yeah. Is this a running where you're like, oh, I'm getting a nice, you know, little jog on, or do you just like fucking run? <laughs> and you're like, oh, you're puking again. There uh, oh, you go. No, not not that intense. Not like you know yeah. screaming or anything. Yeah. But just no, just like getting like getting a sweat. And yeah. I think that goes back to what you know like I grew up playing soccer and then I grew up always it was always like running and physical activity Mm -hmm. because I think that's good it's sort of um, undervalued in a way it's undervalued in terms of its mental health benefits over like I know like I don't weigh myself I don't look at a scale I Mm -hmm. don't like it's it's for my heart and it's for my head how are you going to talk to your kids about this period of time that we're growing up in (laughs) and at the same time how are you going to talk to your kids about alcohol and pot yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm married to a police officer, so this yeah. is particularly sticky. We have this like game plan of, well, you're going to take him to a jail and show them the worst of the worst and the scars on the faces yeah. and all these meat. Like, do you want to be like that? No, yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to scare them. Like, I yeah. think. I think. You know, if you're being the helicopter parent. Yeah, ahead. because they're both going to be legal and they're going to yes. be pitted against each other yes. in the world of evils, right? Yes. Okay. So this is my f- practice and thoughts on this for myself. And mm-hmm. yeah, that will extend to how I raise my son. Um, I drink the occasional glass of wine. Do I get SHIT face like I did when I was 18? No, yeah. because I have more respect for my body than I did back then. Um, I don't smoke pot. I don't do drugs. I'm married to a police officer. Yeah. I never have done that. I just wasn't interested. It wasn't Straight your Straight up was not yeah. like, and I remember being a teenager and being at a party where everyone was smoking pot or doing some other drug mm-hmm. except me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I tried it at 16. I tried mm-hmm. smoking pot and I didn't really feel a change or feel anything. And then I was kind of like, meh, okay, guess I hit that rite of passage. Now I can just continue on with my But it wasn't a political it. statement that you were no, making towards the world. No, it yeah. wasn't about anyone else but me just yeah. feeling like this isn't my thing. And so I think I grew up um, because... My mom is a nurse and because, you know, sports and dance and doing all these things were important. And I grew up with that sort of athlete mindset of, you know, not not your, you know, your body's a temple, but at the same time, your body's a machine. You don't put the worst crappy kind of oil in your beautiful BMW. Mm -hmm. You put the premium in. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how I treat my body and how I'm raising my son with food. Mm -hmm. You know, um, chocolate and gummies that's a he's three so Mm -hmm. chocolate and gummies are a treat Mm -hmm. but that's not going to help you grow you want to grow let's have look what i made you for supper Mm -hmm. that's good this gives you muscles and this gives you energy and blah 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 Mm -hmm. so same goes to me for drugs and alcohol Mm -hmm. if you want to go out with with your buddies i mean he's gonna be a teenage boy Mm -hmm. i can't control everything Mm -hmm. but i can try to teach him to respect his body for what it is for something that you're grateful that you have legs you can walk on and a brain that's clear and a mind that's sharp mm-hmm. and you need to honor that. It's like, I just think about like if my son were in, in junior high right now, like his big thing, I'm sure he'd say this to me because he's my kid. Well, the president did it. Right. You know, and like, how do I, how do I say that you don't succeed if you do those things? Because mm-hmm. 
that's pretty much the biggest success in the world right. as far as jobs go. Right. You obviously can't get fired from it, right. no matter how much proof you have going in. True. You. Okay, so how do you define success? Is success your job? That, and right? that's my point. It's yeah. talking about that, right? Exactly. But, like, but with someone in junior high, they're not going to be able to validate, you know, uh, personal growth and, and, and ideologies. You right. Know. I do think right now this whole pot thing is really novel and really, hey, we're 420 today. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like this big thing. Yeah. I mean, we're t- our kids are going to hit that age where we're talking 10 years from now. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> you know, hopefully yeah. you know, we don't have to talk about yeah. before then, but I think that dad, I'm going over to Gregory's yeah, house. Exactly. Bring yeah. A loop. yeah. We're going to play Lego <laughs> and smoke a doobie. Yeah. Far out. Man. Yeah. So I don't know. I think the novelty will wear off and yeah. it will, I'd be interested. I agree. I'm not well versed in like the stats in Amsterdam where legalization, um, and the resulting usage and has it waned since and, you know. We interrupt this program for a word from our sponsor. The Burping Pauldron. One part sexy LARPing attire and one part functional dadware, the Burping Pauldron combines the world of medieval fashion with a hint of modern sensibilities. The Burping Pauldron comes complete with baby head cradle for maximum security whilst backslapping, three ergonomically placed pacifiers for the finicky burpee, an annoying keyboard that makes the child happy for some stupid reason. Chewable plastic car keys to soothe the teether, but they cannot actually start any car. Two detachable mess towels for way too much puke. How could so much come out of such a little thing? A green mossy pauldron spray to cover up any uncleaned baby liquids. Or some of your own. A sword. Just in time for Christmas, the burping pauldron is the perfect gift for the new father in your life. The female version of the burping pauldron is just a towel and a sword because women don't need any extra stupid shit to burp their spawn, but hey, everybody can use a sword, right? And now, back to the program currently in progress. So you're having another... Boy. Any cool names? God you thought help of? me. Any cool names? Do you like go to your favorite movies? Is it going to be like... Uh, <laughs> Siddhartha or no? Uh, what about uh, Elon Musk? No. Or what oh, about what about Elon Banff Musk. National Park, Gregory? <laughs> that has a ring to it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, no, we're throwing a few around. Nothing yeah. I'm ready to make public yet. But yeah. uh, anything really stupid? No. That you've re- immediately rejected? Oh, no, no. Nothing I can think <laughs> of. Uh-uh. No. No. Not like, how come girls aren't named Junior? That's a good question. Yeah, I know. You should name, oh, it's a little boy. It is a little boy. Mm. That's becoming, we're seeing a lot of, you know what's interesting? Hmm. We're seeing girls named boys' names, but we're not seeing boys' named girls' names. Yeah. Ever notice that? Yes. Like, it's cool for a girl to be Danny or yeah. Taylor or like. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. dated a girl named Douglas. Really? Yeah. Her mom was a big Johnny Cash fan. No boy way. Boy named Sue, girl named Douglas. Yeah. She, she was a farrier. She made horseshoes. Huh. Yeah, she was tough. As Did you else. call her Doug? Uh, I called her Snuggles. Oh, Douglas that's sweet. Snuggles. No, I called her. I called her Douglas. I think Douglas. Yeah, the full name. Yeah, yeah. And it never really occurred to me that it was weird until you know you met, met a trucker I named met, Doug. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, Douglas, how's it going? <laughs> I kept hugging him when I left. I don't know why. He thought it was really weird. But what is the grossest thing you've ever seen your kid do? Oh, probably related to boogers. Yeah. Um, 
Wow. Now, I think just it really grosses me out. He still does this. Mm-hmm. He's got a runny nose and he'll just grab his sleeve like he's holding on to something yeah. and just. <laughs> My son doesn't even use a sleeve. Yeah, that's <laughs> gross. And I just how many times you have to explain what a Kleenex is. And we there are Kleenexes around the house yeah. like tissues. Yeah. So that'd be gross. How about yeah. you? Uh, Dad, look what I found oh, in no. my bum. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And it was a finger full of poop. Oh. Yeah. yeah. He was very proud. Wow. Very proud young man. Because so, his body made it. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That is something to be proud of. Yeah. Um, I have to say, having been out of diapers, well, not me. Yeah. <laughs> I have that to look forward to. <laughs> I've been out of diapers for a long time. Yeah. But with my son being out of diapers since, uh, well, he it was before three, so two and ten months or something. Yeah. Um, that's been amazing. But I also realize how much he has to go because he's always telling you when yeah. he has to go, right? So, yeah. yeah. But we're a vegetarian, so you would not believe this oh, system. Right it's just, whoosh, yeah. It's and you're like, well, beans and corn, there yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's maybe the downfall of being vegetarian. <laughs> what is something mm-hmm. that has shaped you into the person that you are today that you will never, ever tell your kid about, but you might be able to recognize it in them? I'm not saying, you know, you got arrested for stealing a horse, right. although we all know of your problem with stealing horses. <laughs> yeah, yes. um, something that is, I don't want to call it embarrassment, although if you look back on certain things in your life, the character building things, they are sometimes embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you would like to share with people that you don't know? Okay, so when when I was a teenager, um, we were at a New Year's Eve party mm-hmm. and I, we, I grew up in Manitoba. So it was all about going to s- socials, yeah, you yeah. know, socials and big New Year's parties. There would be huge halls rented out where you could buy a drink for $2 or whatever. So we were 16 and I was uh, dating this guy at the time. So he was a year older than me. And at the end of the, I'd gone with my two girlfriends, but the plan was at the end of the night, I was going to leave with him to go to another party. And then the two girlfriends were kind of going to do their own thing. Anyways, a close friend of mine, my best friend from like childhood, um, was given the date rape drug in one of her drinks. Oh my god! And she had been acting a like off, mm-hmm. but to my sixteen-year-old eyes, was drunk. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. You um, anyways, to it to. I left with my boyfriend, and then found out everything that had happened and what transpired that night, which you can put two and two together. And um, this friend and another friend were like taken back by these two guys that they didn't know. And, you know, not great things happen. And I kind of, I really regretted not being there for them or showing up for them and maybe not noticing that she was acting as weird as she was. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like in our culture, girls, teenage girls seem to kind of look out for each other in a different way than boys do. You know, mm-hmm. boys kind of, you all kind of split up at the end of the night and do your own thing, whereas girls are sort of a pack. Like, okay, well, you're going home with who and who, yeah. at least that's how it was for us. The joke is that girls go to the bathroom together. Exactly. But that's more exactly. about, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I kind of feel like from that, I just really want him to have a tribe yeah. where you show up for your friends in those situations. Trust your gut sometimes. Yeah, for sure. What is your weakness in parenting? What is the thing that you're working on the most? I find, okay, it's fascinating to try to help your toddler self-regulate when you have doubts about your own ability to do so as yeah. a parent. Like we're we're so big in terms of child development on this big like, okay, blow, you know, you're mad, blow out the candle, yeah. take a deep breath. How are you feeling? Say how you're feeling. Yeah. And it makes you realize, God, I don't even do that. You know, like how many times do I just... um 
shove things down and just get mad. And then th- this is my this is my um, routine. So uh, get mad about something or frustrated. Push it down, push it down. A week later, start crying. And my husband's like, what is your problem? I'm like, you didn't take out the garbage like you said you were going to. He's like, what? And then, but it's really about something that happened two weeks earlier that had nothing to do with that. And then that piled up and that piled up. Like, that's my pattern, yeah. which is terribly unhealthy. Yeah. But it probably, not to blame my parents. I mean, it wasn't, I grew up, had a fantastic childhood. Mm-hmm. It's just, I I never learned ways to deal with those emotions, I suppose, in maybe a healthier way. Mm -hmm. And so it's difficult to me to kind of like help our son. I'm mad. Like say say you're mad. Say how you're feeling, whatever. When you you your children are in a way mirror little mirrors for you and you're kinda like, Man, I I have to work on that. So so that I find challenging. Uh, Ash, did you bring something that reminded you of your What did you got there? Oh, it's a purse. No. Oh, (laughs) Oh, it is a little football, a little, it says you went on it. Yeah. It's those little, small, little squishy footballs, little foam footballs. Why this? I feel like some people may disagree with me, but I am not, I think there are gender differences between boys and girls. Mm -hmm. And from day one, biological, and I somehow got the most rough and tumble little boy. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's sort of terrifying that I'm going to have another one. But it reminds me of him because it's just like uh, stamps on his hands and dinosaur stickers and mud on his face. And like that's the kind of kid I got. Yeah. Yeah. Loves being outside, loves roughhousing. Like will turn chopsticks at a sushi dinner into a sword. (laughs) You know, everything's a weapon. Everything needs to be climbed on and wrestled. And yeah. My daughter is the opposite of my son, my my daughter, my younger uh, daughter. Yeah. She's, I call her tank, because she just runs around and just shoves things out of her way. <laughs> and my my son is very uh, sensitive. Oh. And like, he's like, Daddy, I'm frustrated. Oh. Daddy, you know, he's like very emotional. Good. And talks about his emotions. What do you find constantly saying in your head as a mantra or as something to, 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 remind, to remind you that this is a three-year-old? Right. You're talking to. Right. When you're trying to, oh. like, cross in the street, don't cross the street by yourself, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Like, real basic life skills. Right. Do you refer back to a time where that single strong memory of you getting in trouble for the first time? I think I try to remind myself that I'm his guide, not his controller. It's not my job. I'm, I'm. This isn't a science experiment. I'm not trying to create some perfect human. I'm here to guide him to find his strengths and help him through his weaknesses and find the things that he enjoys and, and keep him alive. Yeah. My, my mother-in-law always says that my husband was just like our son, just so doing backflips off the chair from the time he was two and a half, like just bonkers. Yeah. And she used to say, um, her husband, David and I would always say, if we can keep him alive till kindergarten, we will have succeeded. Yeah. So there's an element of that, but, it, but also just, I, I try to give him the um, illusion of, non-surveillance like yeah. I'll try to go out in the front yard but meanwhile I've got my coffee and I'm peeking window, you know yeah. but I don't want him to feel like I'm a hell I don't want to be that parent but I feel like we all need to sign this silent contract that we're all going to agree that we don't want to be helicopter parents so we have to create a community mm-hmm. where our kids can we're not going to call child and family services on each other yeah or we're you know going to agree that we'll be the eyes on the street yeah. That's tough when you have two a household where both parents are yeah. working. 
I remember getting spanked by my neighbors growing up. Like I remember no. like, my community helped raise me. <gasps> it was weird. It was in Cape Breton. So it was a small little, but that's sort of the thing where like you're, when I was away from my house, I felt like there was other people yes. there. Did I feel safe around them? I don't even know if I was aware of that or not. Right. But I do remember getting in trouble. Maybe it's because I was a little shit. Yes. But I do remember, it wasn't like they weren't beating me, but they no, were like teaching fine. me, like you drew the, you, you drew a word on the side of my house, you know, you're a mm-hmm. dingleberry. Um, do you think we need more of that? Do you think we're getting away from that? I'm sure there are places like that still. Uh, I don't know if they're in Edmonton or not, but. The, do we need more of the village or more punitive spanking of... <laughs> I'm not saying punitive, I'm not saying, but like, for example, teachers. I find mm-hmm. teachers are having a hard time being able to um, not punish, but to give uh, give boundaries. Like how Absolutely. Do you, how, do you, how do you punish a kid uh, nowadays without, you know, physical threats or them being scared of you, right? Like, right, right. I think there's this us and them thing going on with teachers and parents right now where teachers feel like their hands are tied. They can't do anything because the parents are at them. Mm -hmm. But the parents at the same time feeling like they want their kids to succeed and maybe the teacher isn't supporting them because the teacher has 5,000 things to do in one day. Um, In my opinion, our our son isn't school age yet, but I think it's about being involved and both the teacher and the parent meeting at the beginning of the year and getting to know each other and being like, Mm. hey, like even at the beginning of the preschool year, I met with the teacher and just even for 15 minutes, just so here's what we're kind of working on right now. This Mm. is what I do at home when he acts like this, because I find that this works for him and he's really emotional right now because of this. And I just am constantly, it's constant communication. Mm -hmm. Also, here's a face to my child. Exactly. So you have this, like, this is our bond. This is our relationship. Exactly. I'm a person, not just parent X. Right. Like there's so many times where, uh, you, you, you meet a kid and then you meet your parent, their parent. You're like, Oh, okay. That makes so much, so much sense now. Right. <laughs> Either good or bad. But yeah. yeah. They need, the teachers need to feel like you're invested in a way that is, um, you're not going to be coming at them every time that they give your kid a zero if they, yeah. but I'm a bit old school like that. Like, yeah. if he didn't do his work, give him a zero. Oh, I totally agree with you there. Yeah. yeah. It worked for me, Yeah, you know? And responsibilities, uh, self-awareness, uh, all these things, uh, like, just self-respect. A hundred percent. Like, I hated school. Yeah. But I know I deserved every bit of crap I got. Right. Because I obviously didn't try. Right. When I learned that I had to be self-reliant and that I was the master of my the world in front of me to mm-hmm. make my life better. Then life changed for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like getting a zero and having my parents come to the school and threaten the teacher would be the most mm-hmm. embarrassing and ridiculous act I think that would ever happen. And not me. helping anyone. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And the other thing too, like we, um, there's this parenting author in Toronto. I just love, she, her name's Allison Schaefer. And she said, we have to stop um, pushing our kids towards accomplishing, accomplishing, accomplishing. Like mm-hmm. if our son, maybe he's not great at math. So what? Like my brother-in-law did not do well in school. Terrible in math, terrible in English, whatever. He's now a contractor. He owns his own company. He does these incredible renovations, a master woodworker. What did he do well at in high school? Woodworking. (laughs) He like ran the show. He's fantastic. So we have to stop, in my opinion, start, stop treating kids like they're these, you got to fit into English or you're going to be a doctor. Like we're, we shouldn't be beyond that now. You're going to do what I want you to do. Right. As opposed to enabling and and strengthening what they're already good at. Exactly. Do you find yourself, you said you had a good upbringing. Mm -hmm. Do you like or dislike sounding like your parents? It makes me, makes me chuckle. Yeah. But it also drives me batty because my dad comes and our son will be acting out. He'll be like, ha ha, payback. (laughs) 
And I'm like, thanks. Like, I wasn't that, was I really that bad of a kid? Um, I like it because I felt like I had really solid parents. Yeah. I did. I had, like, I, we were really lucky. Yeah. In a way that, like, my parents were strict. Yeah. For sure. Like, but, um, but no, it, it makes me smile. With that in mind, is, high, is, is college the new high school? And are we as a society with, okay, anti-bullying, bullying's terrible. Mm -hmm. But every one of my heroes has faced adversity. Mm -hmm. If you take away, and I'm not saying kids should be bullied. I'm not fucking saying that at all. Right. I'm just saying, like you said about being a helicopter parent, but just watching them, letting them fail on their own, letting Mm -hmm. them fall down. Taking away adversity from a child is like taking away a coping mechanism. What is one of the biggest flaws you see going on today that in your work as a journalist, Mm -hmm. you see popping up a lot? Uh, Well, the, you know, Utah passed that free range parenting law. Mm -hmm. They put into writing that your kids should be able to go walk to get ice cream if they're a reasonable age and maturity. Utah? Yeah, in Utah. Okay, so your kid, if a reasonable age and maturity, um, they can be at the park by themselves. They can walk to school. I just am... um, Amused and flabbergasted that we are in our society needs to put something like that in writing. Hmm. You know, um, I, I was at a conference a couple weeks ago with the ATA and it was all about um, digital technology and how it's changing teens mm-hmm. and kids and shaping all of us for good and bad. And um, one of the comments that came out was that there are uh, there's Unity University prof in San Diego was saying she sees a lot of students <clears throat> who cannot make decisions the most basic decisions they'll be like i just have to text my mom can i get back to you on that i have to text my dad that scares me a little bit it scares me that we're taking the independence and resilience away we're not giving them the tools they need to become those independent resilient kids Mm -hmm. to make just to go on and leave the nest like i love my son and i'm sure i'll love the next one i don't want them living at my house when i'm 40 Mm -hmm. the goal is to like spread your wings and go. Mm-hmm. So that scares me a bit to think of this uh, almost like a codependency going on because we are terrified of a world that does not exist. It's it's safer than it was when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the future, exactly. The future isn't even a thing yet. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like trying to find a cure for aff- for affluenza. You've, you've heard that story about the... No. So a young boy uh, gotten drunk and killed four people in a car accident in the States. In his defense his lawyer came up with was he had affluenza as in affluence because his parents didn't give him any responsibilities. So how was he supposed to know that what he was doing was wrong? Yeah. Anyway, he got jail time and stuff like that, but that was actually the mother, the mother went on the lamb to Mexico, I think with him or something like that. But yeah, like this is, this is the world that, you know, it's just, it's just like you said about the Utah law. Why do we even have to say that that's bullshit? Right. Like how do we have to have the argument right. that grabbing someone by the genitals is wrong? Right. You know, like, why do we have to have this argument? Like, it's just, it is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, every, every human culture has the capacity to be an asshole. There's no one group of people that are mm-hmm. worse than any other group, mm-hmm. in my opinion, mm-hmm. when it comes to that stuff. So I think it's just gone so, so far the other way where being the helicopter parent is the norm. Yeah. So we... But it's almost like you, do you need it in law or do you need to just start putting it in practice? Hmm. Where as a neighborhood, you agree like, hey, you know, we're, we're all going to let our kids go to the park. Yeah. I don't know. I don't sure know they the have answer. a sword. Someone has the sword, right? Exactly. But, yeah, yeah. I just find the majority of parents 
all agree on this. Nobody mm-hmm. want, I don't want to be like glued to my kid 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. We all want them to thrive. But nobody just knows how to be that person to stand up. Mm-hmm. And my favorite memories are that sense of freedom. Oh, that, yeah. That autonomy. Yes. I remember like the, light, the sun's going down, it's getting a little cold. You're like, oh, I'm allowed to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, I'm not out, you know, stealing horses. Right. Like someone, <laughs> you know. But it's that, that freedom that you feel like, um, you know, I'm being trusted. Exactly. I'm being trusted to do what I think is best. So. Exactly. Laurel, thank you very much Thanks for your for time. Thanks for having me. No problem. I'd like to thank Andrew Paul for producing this episode. I'd also like to thank the Edmonton Community Foundation for the recording space and the support. I'd also also like to thank Nathaniel Sutton of Brother Octopus slash Defend the Rhino slash whatever it is the heck he's working on for the intro music. You can find me at theundad.com or online at theundad on Twitter or just type in the undad on Facebook. Or you can email me at trent at thetrentwilkie.com. Or you can just see me on the street and give me a way too long hug. <laughs>